Thanks to Cry Malt, this is Beer as a Conversation. I'm Matt Kirkegaard. This week we meet Ash Cranston and Tom Champion from Brisbane's new Felons Brewing. Brews newsreaders will know that Felons opened as part of the city's Howard Smith Wharves precinct just before Christmas and promptly ran out of beer. Such was the popularity of the venue. While it might sound like a great problem to have, it's still a problem. And so we find out a little bit more. Ash and Tom are both Little Creatures alumni. Ash from the hospitality side of the business and Tom as a brewer. In this conversation, I find out a little bit about their backgrounds and the varied paths that led them into beer and ultimately to felons. We discuss what they learned working for a business such as Little Creatures, which really set the standard for brewery hospitality and for beer when it opened in Fremantle, and what they have carried with them in opening felons. We hear about what they wanted to achieve with the beer and the venue, and how you cope when demand far exceeds even your most optimistic projections and your brewery's capacity. As always, it's a great chat, and it's brought to you by Cryer Malt, delivering to Australian brewers for over 25 years, and now with a wider range, carefully selected by serious beer nerds. Enjoy the conversation. Ash Cranston, Tom Champion, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Matt. Great, great spot to uh, to have a beer with you and a chat. Uh, mate, there's there's a lot that we want to uh, that, that that we want to go through, I guess. But I guess uh, the the first thing is, I mean, I, neither of you are Brisbane uh, people, um, you know, born and bred. But we're sitting outside Felons under the Story Bridge on a 33. Uh, degree Brisbane day. I'm the only bloke in jeans. You seem to have, um, you, you you seem to have both settled into the Brisbane lifestyle and this amazing location pretty um pretty easily. Yes. Yeah, so Brisbane's been very very welcoming. Um, and for me personally, it's been a trip coming back to Australia from my my previous role. So um, so it's been a welcome move for myself and my family. Uh, and always heard great things about Brisbane, but had never been. And took the plunge when uh, Ash Cranston walked back into my life, <laughs> and um, and here we are, and absolutely loving it. Yeah, totally. So I guess Tom, tell us, uh, seeing, seeing you're on mic, just so people can recognise your voice. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. You're the head brewer here at uh, that Felons Brewery at the Howard Smith Wharves. But um, what, what's your background? What got you into beer? What got you into brewing? I um, I did it almost the opposite to most who are avid home brewers who decide to then make it a profession. Um, whereas I, I'd never um, laid down a homebrew, but um, I was fortunate enough to study chemical engineering in Perth, where I'm from, and in that course there was a unit on brewing, and I sort of I caught the bug at that point. It just didn't didn't switch in my head as a you know everyone was heading towards mining in that particular uh, demographic, so that's where I was going. Um, but then I got on board. I did mining for about a year, but then um, decided to, to get off that and get on board with Little Creatures. Um, and that was about ten years ago. So you went straight from uni and got a you got a, an entry level brewing job at uh, Little Creatures. Uh, straight from uni to the mining game. Did okay. a year in, okay. in design uh, on an ammonium nitrate plant. So <laughs> blowing the world up when I became an engineer, so I could create stuff. So I, I had a bit of a revelation there. 
Um, yeah, and then from that it was single man, no family, no responsibilities, so could afford to just get on the packaging line and really make a go of it. Um, and Little Creatures was a, a fantastic company to get on board with for the, the growth and opportunity they had, led by some wonderful people, um, and I just sort of followed the cherub from there. So who, who did you work under initially? Who was your first uh, boss at Little Creatures? Uh, first, so I head brewer for my whole time in Fremantle was Russell Gosling, yep. so super smart guy. Um, and then I moved over to Geelong and worked with Alex Troncoso for a short stint on the, the project, uh, and then Warren Pawsey came on board as the head brewer, so I worked with him, um, and then moved to Hong Kong where I was the, the head brewer and only brewer of a five hectolitre brew house <laughs> in, a, in a brew pub, um, but working more and seeing, I guess, a hospitality side to the business and how powerful that can be to a brewing business to have really world-class hospitality. You've, I mean, you've name-checked three really great brewers there. I mean, not exactly rock stars of the brewing world, which seems to sort of um, pick favourites, but three great mentors. I mean, Alex um, Troncoso particularly is somebody who has really worked and created a lot for Little Creatures, but then he's gone on to do um, other things uh, with Lost and Grounded in, in, in the UK. It must have been a great experience working for them. It was, um, yes. Alex was a—he's just a superstar. He's a fountain of knowledge, and I'm—I'm I'm just disappointed. It was quite a short stint uh, with him um, on the Geelong project um, because he—he he moved on shortly after I got there. But the time I spent with him is just—look, um, he will have forgotten more about brewing than I'll probably ever know. In—in in all honesty, just uh, one of those people that's just got the gift. Going to Hong Kong, that would have been an interesting progress in itself, um, given you spent a couple of years in the, the, the big house, but then going off and running your own show in an expanding uh, brewery where there's no real established footprint. What was that, what was that experience like? Um, look, it was a wonderful experience. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Hong Kong was an interesting place. All job aside, living in Hong Kong was, was quite an experience. But yes, I guess starting a business there, you... You know no one, right? So you, you spend almost eight years in Australia and, you know, the brewing industry, everyone knows everyone and, and, and you can you find a mechanism to fix problems or come to solutions or using those people because it's such a lovely industry and helpful industry to work in. Uh, and then you move to somewhere like Hong Kong and that's gone and you're you're out there and you're like, we put all this stuff in and it's like, well, who am I going to get as a, as a welder or a fitter who's a good sparky and you know, all those sorts of things that start to flush out and you don't have this support network, network of people to call on. So, um, so that was a lot of learning there in, in those sorts of spaces and um, and Hong Kong it doesn't really have the um, workplace health and safety of, <laughs> of Australia so you're constantly trying to you know but we, we obviously being a part of Lime we're approaching it with we must meet our standards not necessarily the country's standards but that was a challenge to, to get contractors to to do the appropriate thing and, and that inherently I guess would make the operation a little bit more costly than people that aren't going through that sort of rigour. Oh, absolutely, yes. There's there's plenty of cowboys out there that would just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, get it done. Um, and we're going through the right channels, cost time, cost money. Um, but, you know, that was that was a great experience. The support was always there, so had a really good time. And But I guess two years was enough for me. It's um, it's very much a party town, Hong Kong, and, and that combined with being in the beer industry, uh, you know, led to... Um, some big nights, basically. And <laughs> Which so is one of the many, curses of the brewing exactly industry. Exactly right. It is. Um, and look, in all seriousness, that was a, a large part of the reasoning to say, well, that's enough of that. And 
back to Australia and we've got two young daughters now, so a bit of responsibility there to, to take things a bit slower and focus more on the, the product and the quality than just the hitting the bar at the end of the day. Yep. And, uh, mate, just one question before I uh, introduce Ash. Um, if, if having worked for, for Lion and sort of now working for a smaller enterprise, if there was one thing that you were going to take from Lion and incorporate into anything else that you did um, in, in your career, can you think of one thing that you learned there that was just a, a valuable lesson? Um, look, working for Lion was, was um, in terms of their people processes and how they approach developing people and retaining people and they really are wonderful at that they, they're very very good um, operators at putting the emphasis on it's all about the person and making sure that people get what they need to move forward in their career and keep people happy um, and that would be my biggest takeout because you know without the team of guys in the, in the building behind us right now doing the work you've got nothing and they need to be happy and and energized and um, so that that would be my biggest takeout absolutely would be how they approach looking after their people Ash Cranston, uh, you're the general manager of the Fallon's Brewing Company. Um, again, another, I don't know if refugee from Lion, um, ex-Lion employee. Um, tell us, how did you get into beer in the first place and uh, come to work for Little Creatures? Um, so unlike uh, the traditional way into beer, I was my background is actually hospitality. So I've been in hospital for, for 20 years now. And um, when I, I did a marketing degree, a sports marketing degree, uh, and then met up with a guy who was working in nightclubs and, uh, and all of a sudden I worked out that uh, nightclubs and, and beer and other things were so much more enjoyable than doing, played a lot of sport and doing all that stuff. So Not I, so much great for a sporting career or No, hell. no, my sporting career pretty much stopped the, when I was like six hours playing cricket or six hours in the pub. Yep, I'll take the pub. So, um, so I really got, you know, he got me excited getting to bars and then I was really lucky enough to work at Young and Jackson's in Melbourne. So... Um, a fairly iconic um, pub in a fairly iconic location and at that time it was owned by LH um, who also had or was actually owned by Foster's at that time yeah. uh, and they totally renovated the place and just were all about focusing on um, European beer and it was a Matilda Bay um, hub um, at the time when um, was that just out of interest? Because it, 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 two thousand, sort of so that was triggering a lot of uh, memories for yeah, me. Uh, well, that shows me how old I am. But yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, that's but, but that's you know you tell kids today you know, there is an element of that because the beer world has evolved so quickly that Young and Jackson's really was a a craft beer hub back in the days when Matilda Bay was a brewery. A- absolutely. And European beers were some of the best, the most exciting things that you could seek out. Absolutely. So I um. Yeah, so back then, what we were doing was, was quite revolutionary. But really, um, what that opened my door, my eyes to and introduced me to was the Matilda Bay guys. So uh, that's where I got to meet um, some of their hospitality people. Uh, and, you know, we learnt all about um, the Sail and Anchor. Part of our story was talking about, you know, how craft beer revolution on the west started and the sale and we would serve redback and those things and and we were pure um, European style so branded glass um, the whole works you know and we and I just got really into telling people about these stories so really my passion for beer came from the side of like you know hearing and learning about things and then passing that on I think I was doing every two days a week I was doing um, you know teaching people about beer in Chloe's bar upstairs yeah. for an hour session and the history of the building and what beer's about and so that that was where my passion for beer came less on the you know the production side and how it's made to the actual you know how it's a part of you know what it's become a part of society and towns and the, the stories behind it just to prove that we're uh 
recording in Brisbane. We've got the lawnmower going in the, ba- in, 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 in the background. It's not in the lawn. You're right with the lawnmower going. It's all right. You're, 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 all good. You'll come, just... come right next to us now. Um, yeah, so from there, um, that then exposed me to um, the Gun Island Hotel. It was yep. part of the group, so I spent some time there. Samara Fuss. Which, which had a brewery in those had, days, had yeah. Had a brewery in the middle of it, um, Sam Fuss. Uh, head brewer at the time, so she's the first brewer I ever met and was and had a relationship, uh, and love love her to death. Um, then went on to to open a little brew pub called Three Degrees. It was the brew pub that never brewed beer, had a brewery <laughs> in it that never worked. Uh, and from then, um, because of the relationship with some of the guys through that group, um, one of them went over to manage Little Creatures and, and basically said, "Hey, you know, do you want to come to the West and work at Creatures?" And I was like, "No, nah, just going to stay here." And and said, "Look, they're going to open a." a dining hall in Melbourne and um, why don't I introduce you to them and ended up meeting Miles Hull who was you know a day oneer from Creatures yep uh, met him and Nick and all the boys and and then um, got on to, to run the dining hall for Creatures and that was really probably my first you know step into pure pure brewing and, and being there and spent time in Freo so I did that for about about four years I mean little creatures I remember the first time I walked into the Freo um, venue and it was unlike anything else that was going on in Australia at the time in terms of hospitality and in terms of beer. And it really ignited my fascination for what is drinking culture and and how the culture that you drink in affects the way that you drink. And you walk in there and everything about it was so different to pub culture that was going on at the time. Um, And their attention to detail with the hospitality, Coming from a hospitality background and then stepping into an organisation that had that focus on hospitality and culture, what did you learn from that and what's carried through um, from your Little Creatures experience? I mean, I was, you know, ALH is really good at running very, you know, good strict operations but lack sometimes the character. What what you learn from Creatures, it, it is about passion. It is about instilling and finding passionate people to do what they do in hospitality. And if you've got that basis, the rest of the tools can just be, be taught along the way. Um, and Creatures were about right cultural fit, passionate about beer and, and what we did. And then it was about individuality. It was about being, Creatures is about being yourself. The whole, I'm a creature, you're a creature, we're all creatures. Mm. Um, it was about being yourself and saying, hey, it's okay to be you step out of your comfort zone, let's do some things and, and, you know, really enjoy what you do. And I think um, that part of, you know, passionate people who are themselves in hospitality works anywhere in the world. Um, and but there's a the tension that sits in between being yourself and having a brand that you need to adhere to. And Creatures just seems to, there's always been something about Creatures that they've managed to have a very disciplined brand and a way of infusing, you know, keeping that while still having that creativity coming under it yeah. um, you, you see some disasters that happen when people uh, just sort of let creatives go wild um, how do you manage how did you notice that uh, creatures managed to keep that ethos but still be very true to a, a disciplined brand I think um, the, the two parts I always think about beer brands as tribes right um, and it's about um, finding your tribe and finding the people that want to be a part of that tribe or that, that community and really the people that came to Creatures, you quickly worked out if you were part of that tribe and if you, you know, and you quickly worked out if you weren't. Um, and the freedom that it gave people allowed them to be themselves, but ultimately they just were a creature. 
you just were the brand. Yep. Um, and, you know, most best brands that I see, the people are the embodiment of that brand. There's not a, hey, I've got to be this, you know, because that's what the brand says I have to be. They are just that. Um, and, I, you know, my belief is that's when they work the best. I, I, my personal belief is in Australia, Young Henry's is an amazing example of that. Young Henry's is that brand and their people, when you meet them, you're like, yep, that brand is that person. Yep. Um, and I think when you ma- mix the two of them together, that's when you've got a really great harmony in terms of, you know, not clashing against the, the tension of I've got to be like that brand. It, it, it's interesting that you talk about that because there are two people who, are, you know, you and I haven't sort of uh, hung out that much in bars and things like that, but the few times that we have and yourself and guys like uh, Steve Jeffers and Guy Greenstone, um, when you with them they're never solely focused on you they're always looking at what's going on and studying and reading and uh, it has been the same the, the few times I've had beers with you in venues that you haven't managed or even in venues that you've managed that you're always looking and always observing is that like a, an important aspect of it yes of absorbing what other people are doing and analyzing and studying oh absolutely I think um uh, I always say the worst people ever to go to dinner with is hospitality workers because <laughs> you will have a really um, annoying night because they'll pick up plates and look them underneath and they'll touch <laughs> chairs and tables and glassware and say that's worth this and that's worth that and that lights out and this is like that. So it, it's part of, you know, hospitality is a, it's the feeling. It's the, you know, you're trying to give people a space to feel a certain way and you have to understand that feeling um, and what, you know, little thing, how little things affect people like the light, the glass, the chair, the lawnmower, where you're sitting, all those type <laughs> of things, that affects people's experience and you're trying to create that seamless experience. So you have to, hospital people are in tune to the finest little thing yeah. that you and I wouldn't, re- you know, the normal person goes, oh. But not all of them are. And I guess that's the point is that a lot of people have worked in hospitality, but then a lot of people don't notice details. And, you know, like I've worked in a lot of, I've, I've visited a lot of craft breweries that have had some very smart people um, from a beer or a business perspective, but they just don't get hospitality right. So it it, it, it really is um, a separate skill from a lot of other important skills in the industry. I think you end the day, you've got to be interested in humans. Yep. What I think I learned a lot from creatures and used to do it is the managers used to just stand around a lot and they're like, what are you doing? So I'm just watching the people. I'm watching what they're doing and watching how they're moving and what they're smiling and what's happening to them and you know and how we're affecting you know how they are um, engaging with us and you do Bill, Bill Fogg was the best at it he'll just sit at the top of the stairs and watch the whole venue for like an hour so or who so. is Bill Fogg uh, so Bill Fogg was one of the original founders of, of Fremantle and he's kind of the guy was a little okay. bit of the cultural guru of, of creatures along with Miles and he was just he was a quite you know, he's a great guy very free thinking hippie kind of but he just watched the people it's just about watching what people did and how we can affect them and you know and give them a better experience so you just you are in tune to it and unfortunately <laughs> you uh you can't turn it off when you go into other venues so which kind of is a nice segue into where we are now and i've said on the podcast um since i first came here that you know, when you sit under the, the the Story Bridge, the Brisbane skyline, the river, um, with this amazing two stretches, you could be pouring vinegar down people's throats here, um, <laughs> and you can't imagine this place would fail. But you're not. Like there's there's so many layers of um, hospitality. When how, how did you come to be working here, and uh, you know what was you, your vision when you first saw the the derelict um, wharves that uh, are now Fellens Brewery and Howard Smith Wharves? I am, um, the creatures have always looked after me, so I was lucky enough to get introduced to, to Adam Flaskus, who's one of the founders of, or the founder of, um, of Howard Smith Wharves um, through Nick and 
uh, and through Howard and, and the guys and said, look, you know, they're doing something in Brisbane. Why don't you go have a chat to them and, and met Adam and, you know, walked, in, walked me on the site. And like most of us who have all been walked on this site, uh, if you walk on, you pretty much go, okay, this is pretty magical. Um, and back then it was three, four years ago when it was just old wharves and, and sheds. And I love the idea of reinvigorating old spaces mm. into new. And I love the idea of going, okay, we could put a brewery here and, and I'll help you guys do this. So um, that, that was kind of a no-brainer. And if you, you see the space, as you said, you're kind of like, wow, how magical. Um, really working with Adam and the guys, the brief was always um, they wanted to create a community space and a community brewery. So, you know, they had a, um, relationships with Jasper and what he'd done, Jasper Colpidge in Camden, yep. seeing what he'd done with Camden Brewery. The guys had all been Adam and Jasper creatures. went to school together, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they went to school together. So there was a bit of like, wow, what a great you know idea. And that was probably the spark, knowing, uh, knowing Jasper and seeing what he was doing. And wow, what a great thing that he's done for Camden. And can I do that for Brisbane? Um, and then um, going to Creatures, seeing those guys, seeing Fremantle, going to Geelong, they were really inspired about creating community space and a place that everybody felt welcome. And all that stuff for me is just where I, I sit. I just Beer is for everybody, breweries of the community. They're magical, engaging places. And how can we work together to just build one that everybody feels really comfortable and welcome in and go, wow, this is what beer is. You know, this is what beer can be. Um, and we're not doing anything new here, if I'm honest. This is, you know, good European, you know, experiences and, and good breweries feel and look like this. We've just got an amazing location. But again, you know, like there's there's an element. Um, when, when I talked about first walking into the Fremantle um, venue at Little Creatures, it was something that just felt, you know, Australian and relevant and, you know, culturally aware for... And the way that we live in in Australia, and you know Brisbane, you're experiencing, you're fanning yourself, uh, <laughs> and, and sort of brushing the, the the sweat, um, <laughs> because it's it is a hot, humid day, and yet because a lot of Brisbaneites have been to Melbourne, they've visited the laneways, laneways are vibey and interesting. Brisbane has wanted to reinvent laneways up here, yeah, which just yeah. to me seems ridiculous because it's a different climate, it's a different culture, it's a different um, lifestyle. You've created something here that you know. You sort of said it's European. It's not, but it's there is something that just resonates with the way Brisbaneites live and the climate and the culture. How do you make something that people immediately, um, you know, feel comfortable in? In a you know, that, that isn't just replicating something that's culturally in a, you know culturally in the in the, the sense of laneways moving to Brisbane? I think ultimately, and um, it's going to use the M word, it, it goes back to good marketing, good insights and good understanding about who you're actually trying to target and what, what do they want. Um, you know, when I, I've been here for a year and a half and you come to Brisbane and go, right, they're, they're carefree, they like the outdoors, they're very social, they love a beer, um, they like good food. Um, they've got this amazing river and, and view here that, you know, they could, um, you know, blew me away. Why can't I just sit in a park and have a beer on the Brisbane River? And um, we, we really just trying to, we got down to who, who are we trying to target and what do they want? And they are Brisbane, you know, Brisbane community. You know, the, the, your everyday man, we call him, your everyday Brisbane guy and girl, you know, who wants to show off their city. That, that's who we want to make the space for. Um, and while we could have gone down the really pointy end road and we could have done the, you know, try to do the cool hipster, you know, kind of place, ultimately, you know, our position is in the middle of Brisbane. We've got a huge site and we want to appeal to a large audience. So we just said, yeah, that's where, it, you know, all of Brisbane want to be and 
you know, let's create that space for them. And I'm going to throw it to Tom in a second, but you, you just sort of picked up on something um, and it's something I'll speak to you both about, you know, that you haven't appealed to the pointy end. And when I first started speaking to you early on in the days of um, you both being here developing beers, there was almost a note of apology about, you know, we're not doing New England IPAs, we're not doing barrel-aged sours, we're not doing... Um, but at the same time, you've created a venue that isn't um, RSL. You know, like there's a, a lot of big venues that have to appeal to a broad market tend to sort of make, you know, and ALH is a great example, they can advertise their menu in a national publication, in a national newspaper, because it's just cookie cutter. Yep. You, you know that Tuesday night's going to be Palmer night, Wednesday night's going to be Taco night, Thursday night's going to be... Because it's got no character, no soul... And it appeals to everybody, but at the same time, it appeals to nobody. Um, here, you've got a venue that everybody can feel comfortable at, but at the same time, it does seem to have its own unique character. What, what's your take on, on, on that observation? And uh, is that something that you've, you, you've studied or, and, and consciously done? I think you, um, you still need to give something to people, like, you know, you need to give people something that's slightly different to what they've got without stretching them too far that it becomes foreign. So, um, everything we do here is, you know, the hospitality team that we, you know, work with and who, who look after this and we gave a great brief to just, just now that, just do what everybody wants, but just notch it up all a little bit and let's notch it up a little bit more in the future as well. So, you know, it's not just a boring old state. We've got world-class chefs from around the country here. We've got amazing pizza chefs, um, some of the best guys that have been around in really good venues from Melbourne to Sydney who are doing great hospitality stuff. You've still got to execute great hospo. And that's what we always said at Creatures. You can be as simple as you want, but you've still got to execute great food, great service, friendly staff and all those things. So I think we, um, without being a cookie cutter, we've just given everybody just that nice little elevated, you know, step up from where they are, um, you know, from their local pub or what they can, can get elsewhere and not alienate them at the same time. And that, that was with the beers as well. And you talk about, you know, our, our not appealing or not, not, sorry, not not appealing, but not, you know, just going straight after the pointy end Again, in our world from Creatures is, and, and what I, it's not even Creatures, I just believe that beer is for everybody. Um, and there's so many people out there who just have not gone on the journey that we've gone on, who just go, I, I drink a lager and I like that. And you go, well, you know, here's, here's a lager. And, uh, and they go, wow, that's different. I could, I could drink lots of that. And you're like, yep, okay, great, perfect. You're my, you're my guy then, you know? And uh, throwing to, to Tom Champion, when we last left you, uh, Tom, you were partying in Hong Kong. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> having a great time. Was it this job that lured you back or had you come back with Creatures and uh, were looking for something else? No, I, I made the decision to leave Lion um, in Hong Kong and then went looking for a mechanism to get back home. So I looked at all my options and one of those options was this opportunity that came up and when I saw Ash's name floating around in it, that was a real... Did you see the ad on Bruce News by any chance? I believe it was Bruce News actually, yeah. So yeah, my go-to for all... Uh... <laughs> That's right, exactly. Well, at least three times a week. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, and I saw, you know, it's quite difficult because you're like, well, I'm, I'd been with Creatures for almost a decade, um, secure, was happy, had been there pre-Lion, post-Lion, so I'd learnt a lot about being part of an independent brewery, learnt a lot from, from being in, in Lion and their processes and, and some really smart people in Lion, incredibly smart that you can just call up um, and they would know the, the you know, most minute detail on something scientific that um, would, would have taken you a long time to find out. So um, had a great time with them 
And then, um, yeah, saw, saw Ash's name come up, was struggling to find something because it's quite a big leap then to leave that safety net of Lion and, and what am I going to come home for? And, and you see all the ads, you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I'd almost lost the connection at that point being away for two years. I'm like, I don't know this spree or this person I don't because it's all blowing up so quickly. So my finger was well and truly off the pulse. So it's just fortunate that... Um, that this came up and I had that level of security and, you know, I hadn't seen the location, but I'd, I'd heard, you know, heard things about where it was and where it was located. So that was really the point where I decided that, well, that's the way I'm going to go, take my family. Just quickly, Ash, was there a, you were obviously in charge of employing your, your brewer. Yeah. Was there the little creatures, quite apart from Tom's skills and his personality and his looks, um, was there the little creatures uh, connection that weighed into your, your factor? Uh, factored into your decision? In all honesty, it was his looks and his massive man hugs that he gives every morning. And I just thought, I need that in my life. More of that in my life. And that beard just needs to come with me. And that's that's where we found love. Um, uh, look, when I was thinking about uh, and chatting to the guys about brewers and, and employing, um, again, it just went back to the brief. What yep. beer do we want to make? Um, you know, and I, mine's always good, clean, drinkable, balanced. Russ Gosling and I talk about it forever and used to when we were together is good, clean, balanced, drinkable beers. And who makes that? Creatures guys make it. Um, so I, I did look out for the family and I was poking around for family members and that had been in the creatures world because it's, you know, it's a very easy thing to, you know, and everybody knows they do creatures train great brewers. Yep. Um, so I was like, yep. I know them, and then I know they make good, clean, balanced, drinkable beer, and that's what we were targeting. So it was kind of went back to the beer brief and then found the brewer and uh, looked around Oz for a bit and then ended up somebody said, go have a chat to Tom, and um, we you know, hugged, and that was it. <laughs> so, Tom, what was the beer brief you were given? Uh, it was always a core of four. Ash, you might want to uh, move. Like the, the, the sun's moved, and Ash's, you're now Ash's sort of melting. Ash is melting next sun. to me yeah. here, and I'm going to take all that shade. Um, the brief was four core beers, um, and it was essentially, essentially along the lines of what you see on the taps now, which is the, um, the crisp lager, um, the pale ale, which then became Australian pale ale, because, you know, I'm quite passionate about, um, the Australian hop and, and malt scene and, and all the great things that are hap coming out of the raw materials out of Australia. Um, and then there was the midi, have a, a lower lower alcohol option still with flavor uh, but that was a bit of a a broader sort of plan there that was that i could really tweak that one quite a lot uh and then the ipa which was that's your ash looked to me in the eye and said that's your playground tom yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the one you really get to just do what you want with so um so yeah that was the brief it was it was loose um and we just honed it in on that little 50 liter kit and you tried some of those beers got it you know we knew we'd only ever get it 80% of the way on that thing and then it was just going to have to be suck it and see on the on the big kit and it seems to have turned out okay so far. How, when you've got a brief of four beers, you know, obviously for a broad market appeal venue like this, you're going to have a lager and a mid-strength are, are both going to be there. How hard then is it to narrow down, well, I've got two remaining, what am I going to do, who am I going to appeal to, do I want to... And there, as I said, there was a real note of apology that we weren't going to go into the pointy end. Um, but how do you cater to a wide market? But still, perceptions matter. You know, the, 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 the talk about it matters. Um, you may as well not have a brewery if you're just going to pour things that are being made everywhere else as well. How do you come up with that final uh, two beers? It really was... Um 
a stepping stone mentality. So like Ash mentioned, you know, I'm a firm believer there's a, there's a time and a place for every beer um, and there's a beer for everyone. Everyone, even if people who consider themselves non-beer drinkers, you put a sour in their hand and say, take at least three sips and see how you go and that, that'll work nine times out of ten. All of a sudden they're a beer drinker because they were drinking wines and that happens to appeal to their palate. So there's always something for everyone. Uh, so we took that stepping stone mentality of, you know, some of the beers will be accessible, some are going to push the boundaries a little bit. Um, but we really want to, you know, have something there for everyone. Um, and like we said, we, you know, we w- wouldn't go to the real pointy. That was more, we're not going to go there straight away because we know what this site has the capability of doing and we actually got that wrong. It did more than we expected. So, um, you know, we fell behind the eight ball a little bit there, uh, which is a great thing to happen. So I'm, I'm really happy we went with the beers that, you know, were more accessible and could could please a lot of people and and get them started on their journey as opposed to appealing to that minority of people almost that are well on their journey and looking for that brand new thing. Um, Yeah, so we're quite proud of that. And you opened uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas and you just got hammered and I I think you ran out of beer um, after three weeks, three or you're running dry when we wrote about it um, in December um, and then suddenly you were, were literally out of beer uh, famously ran out of beer Matt. <laughs> famously if we could just put that in there thank you <laughs> if we're going to say it let's just say we famously were the brewery that ran out of beer and let's just own that yeah. <laughs> I think it's the way to go <laughs> look uh, um, to Tom's credit and the team it, the brief even wasn't that easy I said you need to make four beers and they need to be bang on and you know it's like most breweries will go right let's just start with one or two but you know our location and our size we needed a full range of beers five beers four beers and a cider on tap um, and most, you know, other brewers would go, well, that's not enough. You need eight, you need 10. But we, and again, we deliberately said, no, you only need to make four. And he was like, well, four's a lot. So, <laughs> you know, can I do two? And it's like, no, you need to do four. So um, it, it was a tough brief. The, the guys did an awesome, awesome job on it. Um, yeah, famously running out of beer. Um, it just blew up, I think was the, <laughs> and, absolutely. As I said, Sitting here, you're going to draw a crowd anyway. Um, the, the offer certainly helps um, bring people back. One of the things I said when I first saw you is that the, the shed um, faces lengthways along the river and almost half the space is given up towards stainless steel that has the best view of any stainless steel in, in Australia, I'd say. That could have been hospitality area. You could have doubled the size of the number of people who came in and had the brewery right at the back. How much of the layout of the the brewery is a long-term play to sort of have a production brewery off-site that engages people with um, this space because they've been here and they've seen the stainless? Um, Ultimately, you're you're right. It is probably the best location and pretty good real estate to put a brewery. Um, And most people go, you're mad to do it. I think ultimately we we want to be more than this site. Um, That is our long-term goal. We want to be a a large regional brewery in in Queensland and beyond um, over time. And this is the first stepping point to that. So our beacon, you know, for everybody to to see. Um, We take up about 400 of the thousand squares, so or 16 including outside. So we're not a a huge part of it. Um, But we are a brewery first and foremost. But of Uh, of the felons area itself, the brewery takes up, you know, the, the, the brewery could have been put in a lot of places that left that as dining, you know, dining with a view, 
um, as opposed to stainless looking out over the water. Oh, it's, it's the uh, best packaging line in the country. <laughs> there's about, uh, I don't know, there's about 50 hospitality seats there that we take up yeah. with a little pack line. And, um, but that, that's just, that was important to us. It's what's in, it's who we are and what's important to us is to have a brewery bang smack on the Brisbane River that nobody else, you know, can do or, or you know, is unique. And I think the other part to that is we, because we are a brewery first and foremost, and yes, we will go into a production facility and we'll sell to wholesale in the, the next couple of months and stretch beyond the site. Because we're a brewery, that's part of our appeal. You know, anyone can go to a pub, anyone can go to another bar, but not everybody can go to a brewery, which then conjures up so many more thoughts and, and ideas for, for drinkers and people that want to dine. Beyond like, yeah, let's just go to the pub. They do steaks and so on and so forth. I'm going to the brewery. That means I'm going to smell. I'm going to see. There's going to be stainless right there in front of me and fresh beers on tap and serving tanks. So having that brewery there is, is, is absolutely what the appeal is to the whole site beyond just another pub. And will that up. one day translate to people walking to a bottle shop, seeing the Felons Brewery logo on a bottle of beer and immediately be transported back to their their hot Brisbane afternoon. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the, if there's anything we learnt, and, you know, most people say it to us when we know, oh, Creatures, I went to Creatures and I went to Frio and I had a pail and that was the most amazing experience and now I drink that everywhere. If the one thing we've ever learned out of Creatures, create an experience for people, give them an emotional connection and then they'll be yours for life and buy you on tap when they go to that pub and, and transport back to that time I sat there and, and did this and sat in Frio or sat under the Story Bridge. And I, I've got that. I'm a, you know, there's so many breweries that I love because I went and had a session there and my God, that's just the best and the staff were amazing. And so I think that's bread and butter in, in, you know, for what a brewery is. It's that experience that then ultimately drives buying it on tap in a bottle shop where now, you can make it. Tom, as Ash said, you famously ran out of beer over Christmas. One of the beers that you have is a, is a lager. Lagers, by definition, take longer to replenish. Uh, one of my visits, so I came down and suddenly there was this ale uh, that, that was on tap. Was that made uh, hurriedly to, because you, you can push an, out, an ale out quicker and you didn't want to compromise on the quality of the lager? Look, it was, it was a, um, a commercially based decision to go for that beer. I wouldn't say hurriedly, you know. We oh, never, sorry, yeah, we hurriedly um, in, yeah. <laughs> not, not in sense of well, we'll just put anything out, yeah. but hurriedly in. It was in, in the uh, draw already, too. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was time a factor in the decision. Absolutely, yeah. So the, the, the lager takes 21 days for us to make. And, and what has really um, been our biggest hurdle has been the lager being so popular that was not foreseen by myself, or I think we didn't, you know, we knew it would be popular, but definitely not as popular as it has been. Um, and so that chews up your tank space. So anyone in the brewing game knows that tank space is where you, that's, that's the hold up to the whole, the whole show most of the time. So, um, so yes, the natural ale was a decision to, okay, we can make that beer faster. We can make a great beer in that vein. We know we can do that. How much um, faster for those in the, who aren't? Uh, so a natural ale would flip around the two-week mark. Okay. So you're shaving about seven days off your, yep. your tank time there. Um, and it's lightly dry hopped, so not a huge amount of dry hopping for the, the large dry hop beers. Probably would wait a bit longer to try and get as much yield. But um, So it appeals to a similar sort of market? It would appeal to a lager. We would like, this beer must appeal to a lager drinker yep. because we want to bring it out. It needs to be a standalone great beer. But it needs to fit that demographic because ultimately we're hoping it does pull a bit of the, the volume away from the lager and just stop us burning out all our, all our brewers <laughs> looking a little bit haggard. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things that I don't, don't think people 
think of when you know lagers are seen as because of the legacy for mainstream lager brands lagers are actually an expensive maybe not on a commercial scale but on a craft scale lagers are hard challenging expensive beers to make mm. um and yet they don't get quite the love or the respect they don't know and and we say um you know lager making a good lager is like making clean white paper uh, which is quite difficult. You know, making an ale, you, you've got a lot of flavours and stuff you can almost hide behind as a brewer. You've got a little bit of a, maybe touch of diac or something going on that you haven't, your processes have fallen down. You can sort of still put that beer out and it still tastes hoppy, great, bitter. A lager though, you, you're stuffed. If you don't get it spot on and perfect, slightest bit of DMS or diac, heaven forbid, or any sort of oxy, that's there straight away and, and the beer's, you know, no good. So, um, yeah, very, very difficult. That combined with the resonance time in the tank, it's a, it's a challenging style to make, absolutely. So what other beer... Like- as, as I've said a couple of times, you were a little bit apologetic about the, the, the you know, that you weren't sort of pushing boundaries. Are we going to see uh, Fallon's barrel aging project? Are we going to see a uh, you know sort of sour beers or what? I've got I've got grand dreams. <laughs> I'm just um, I'm just just locked at the moment because we have to we've got to keep our beer on tap. But um, you know, there's these old. We've got one of our dreams, which I'm not sure if it will become a reality. But there's these old uh, bunkers over here, bomb shelters at the back. Literal bomb shelters literal from World bomb War Two, yeah. Heritage listed. Um, that could become a barrel cellar down there somehow, you know. And we start aging some stuff in there and have the um, you know, the barrel bomb shelter series. Um, we're going to lay down a goza tomorrow, so we'll just well, drift okay. into the the sour territory now. We've sort of. Sort of but again, a style, like a Goza is a really approachable, so long as it's not um, cartoonish in terms of its sourness and things like that. It's mm. a lower alcohol, nice, dry, slightly acidic. But again, on a day like today, it would be the perfect mid-strength, um, I, I would be thinking. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, we still, our whole brewing philosophy is a time and a place for every beer and a beer for everyone. So I don't, I don't, I don't have any desire to make a beer that, only my mates will like and a select few people because it's got so much going on in it and heaps of spices and this crazy yeast strain I found on the side of the road. You know, I, I want to make beer that pleases a lot of people because it's, it's such a fantastic feeling. It's, it's bittersweet when you, you're down here on a Friday night and you just see the place heaving and everyone's drinking this beer you've made and loving it and, and socialising, you know. And I've always almost enjoyed that more about beer than delving into the flavours and the complexities of it the social lubricant and the, the sociability behind it all. That's what pleases me about beer. That's why I got into the game is because I love how it can bring people together. So all those beers need to be you know, almost a support act to the, the celebration and the sociability that we drive at Felons. Um, and so always that approachable mentality, absolutely. Ash, you, you've just recently had to, you know, weeks after opening, had to frantically, uh, you, you were phoning around uh, <laughs> even before Christmas, frantically looking for tanks to try and sort of increase yep. your capacity. Yep. What's the next step for you guys? Um, we, uh, the Beer Angels looked after us. Um, so we've been able to pick up three tanks, which was, was amazing. We, um, we pretty much straight away executed one of our other um, extension plans, which was take, we have four serving tanks. So we um, said to our hospitality people, you're getting kegs now and we're taking the <laughs> service back because we always had them as unis. So it was a smart little play, um, but we took them back in three weeks. So we've been fermenting in them, which helps us. Uh, we've now put three more in. We've got two more tanks coming next week. 
Uh, and that actually caps us out inside, so we're, we are restricted by space inside. And then we go to our next plan, which is tanks outside. So we've um, now spec'd up uh, four, four tanks outside the brewery. Um, Al, Al our inspiration from Camden, who uh, if you see them, they've got them all outside along the, yep. the railway. So yeah, we, we go to our next extension plan, which is tanks outside or fermenters. That's the original Camden, not the super The original super Camden, new. not super Camden. <laughs> um, and then we... Um, yeah, that, that'll cap us out on, on this side as well. So it's um, get, get more tanks. Um, we, we don't want to, you know, we, um, we don't want to stop growing. We want to um, get back to serving our entire site. We've got more restaurants to come online just at HSW uh, before we then go out to wholesale as well. So we are, let's just keep going. And we're really lucky enough to have a group of partners who are absolutely dedicated to growing, you know, felons beyond the site and are supportive of us saying, hey, cap in hand, we yep. need some more tanks and, and what a great problem to have. So, yeah, it's just keep putting tanks in and then work out, you know, the logistics of dealing with packing those tanks and so on <laughs> and so forth. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask, and you talked a little bit about going out with hospital and sort of turning plates over and looking at all the aspects of it. And we've also talked a little bit about how this is a venue that is appealing to people very broadly. And you come down on, a, on an evening and there are a lot of um, non-traditional beer drinkers um, drinking beer, yeah. um, whether yeah. it's uh, young women or sort of just people you wouldn't normally expect. Um, and yet, I, looking at the glasses that we've been drinking from, they're fairly standard seven, uh, nine, and eleven ounce uh, glasses. You yeah. didn't think that uh, about maybe breaking the mold and doing something that's a little bit more, um, you know, changing the, the the culture around beer drinking. I love that you asked that question because uh, I think you and I are both passionate about beer glasses. Uh, yeah, so my, my case forward, so we look, we look after all the brewery, we partner an amazing hospitality team who run all of the, the experience here and, and all through the project set up, I was like, a glass for everything. I want, ev- I want a coaster and I want the right beer and the right glass. Uh, harping back to your Belgian harping back it's yeah. like well this is the best for the beer this is the best way but nobody's doing this in Australia we used to do it at Y&J's it was amazing it's such a point of difference and it just elevates beer and brings it back to what it is and um, ultimately when you have a venue that's 1500 people plus at any one time um, you start to think about the complexity of having 10 different glasses and racks and coasters and things and, and I lost that debate uh, what it meant from a glass point of view is you go, all right, well, hang on, who, what are we about again? We're about the everyday, you know, Brisbaneite, the everyday person drinking beer. And the good old classic, you know, I drink, a, I love that we have seven ounces. I love that we have a seven. So yep. you can go, I'll just have a little pony of this and I'll try those. And particularly for, we've seen that women just go, look, I don't drink beer, but I'll have a little seven ounce yep. or something. There is nothing wrong with the good old pub you know, Washington glass. Um, yeah, and, and I, I guess there's nothing wrong with it. But again, like you talked about uh, ladies asking for a seven. Um, and it's one of the things I've always come up against in corporate tastings where you'd sort of carry around a tray of pot glasses, 285 mils. And they say, oh, no, 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 thank you. It'll sort of bloat me. And then you sort of duck out the back, pour exactly the same amount into a wine glass. And they go, well, that's much better. Because there's a perception with the the package and 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 that sort of thing so even without having you know 1500 by uh six different glasses and and then a variety of different sizes within those could you have stepped away from the classic um will stack and not break um, beer glass uh we we i did win one debate and that was when that was actually also from adam as well who you know he loves to break the rules um 
is um, we're inspired a bit by Mikola, who does um, all different beer glasses, and they do wine glasses. And, yep. and if you actually chat to most of us, we drink beer out of wine glasses. I've got stemless Riedels at home that I yep. use. I don't even have a beer glass. I just love that swirl and that smell yep. and all those. So uh, the one that we did win is we do have, uh, we've got 400 mil wine glasses um, that we serve our cider into, and you can ask for in the bar if you can have a wine glass. So when we ever get it, generally, we've got a big wine glass that we can choose from as well. So we did win one little debate for it, and everyone's like, you can't do that. That's just crazy. Nobody would drink that. Yet when they see five of us standing around drinking out of this beautiful wine glass, they're like, ooh, that looks good. What's that one? That's different. You know, it's no the same beer. It's just in a beautiful and glass. And that's now. the thing. Like, you don't have to be a wanker about it. You don't yeah. have to. But it's just the, the casualness of doing it can have a really big yeah, effect. It's, it's yeah. beer. You can. It's all right. It's all cool. You can put it in a wine glass, swirl it around. If that's what you like, it's all good. Cool. Well, look, if we go any longer, um, we're going to head, um, we're, we're, we're over what we call the cook limit on, on, on the show. I ain't going to um, cut out half the crap that we just spoke no, about. No, well, there was only a little bit about lawn mowing, I think. Was, uh, <laughs> um, we'd have to do it in two parts, but I, I know that I'll be back at some stage. You know, you, you're only two months, um, or not even two months, into operation. Um, so I'd love to come back and talk at some other stage about what you've learned um, operating a, a venue like this. But in, in the meantime, congratulations on an amazing venue and thank you very much for uh, having me in for a, a beer today and uh, joining in on Beer as a Conversation. Ash Cranston, uh, Tom Champion, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matt. Much appreciated. And that was Ash Cranston and Tom Champion. We also thank Rallings Labels and Stickers for sponsoring this podcast. Call Rallings on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation and we look forward to another conversation next week. Music